You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. It is officially the offseason for all 32 teams, but that doesn't mean we're going anywhere. Plenty of Detroit Lions talk coming your way all offseason long. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Pride or at Detroit Online or at Pride of Detroit. I work that Twitter too. I'll see it if you if you call me out there. Uh, with me as always to answer your Lions questions here on Twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit every Wednesday afternoon uh, is the general manager. No, is the no. I think you got it right. General right. manager. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we changed it this week. You're the general manager of Pride of Detroit. You can find him at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. How's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy. You know, like, the offseason is supposed to be relaxing and mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. I'm just waiting for that to happen for me. I'm, I mean, I, I cannot slow down. It's crazy. But you know what? I love this time of the year, so I'm ready Good. for it. Yeah, because I mean, this is I, this is the season I kick my feet up and you take over. So maybe you are the general <laughs> manager now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it is full off season mode now. Uh, the only thing really between now and and more football is is free agency and then the draft and then a whole bunch of other nonsense in between. Um, but the Super Bowl just happened, and we just happened to get a couple questions about the Super Bowl uh, and how it relates to the Lions. So it's still Lions talk here. Uh, let's All start right. with uh, Patrick Kelderhouse on Twitter asks, with the Super Bowl showing offense is more important than defense, should Detroit look to improve their offense in the first round instead of defense? Well, it's an offensive league, right? So the offense is always going to be, you know, at the forefront of of, of most people's minds, right? I mean, that's the rules are geared towards offense and you need to have a top level offense if you want to win the Super Bowl. I don't think there's any question about that. At the same time, if you don't have a good defense, you're probably not going to get there, right? So there's a, you you have to balance both, right? You can't yeah. just 
fully invest on one side of the ball and just say, I'm going to outscore everybody because that it, it just doesn't work. Um, you've got to have a defense that's at least a top half of the league. Doesn't have to be top 10, top five, right? That helps. Yeah. But you have to have a moderately level, good level defense. Uh, and then, yeah, then you want your offense to be as, as high up in the rankings as possible. Yeah. And we always have to be careful not to overreact to a sample size of one, right? Um, sure. But, but at the same time, you look historically, the Super Bowl winner comes with a top 10 offense. There's there's very few, uh, yeah. you know, examples, counter examples yeah. in the past 15 mm-hmm. years, even you, you go back a little bit longer. Sure. But the, the game has changed. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we can all agree that the rules in this game have changed to mostly benefit the offense. Um, which, and, and it just so happened that a, a penalty on the defense may have <laughs> finished things off in the Super Bowl. But to say that defense is not important at all, I think is is overstating it, right? Um, like you said, yeah. if, if you also look at the defenses of the top 10, 15 last Super Bowl winners, you're, you're talking about ones that finished at least in the top half of the league. Uh, yeah. And the Chiefs are certainly one of them, right? They The reason why, you know, it's been two years since they've, they've won the Super Bowl because their, their defense hasn't been as good. Not Nothing to do with their offense. The reason they were able to even get to the Super Bowl this year is because they shut down Joe Burrow with their defense. I think it was more of a defensive performance than an offensive performance in the conference championship game. And and so you look at the Lions, and, and, and let's talk a little more specifics. Let, let, let's talk about what they can do with that first-round pick because we know there's a lot of improvements that they can be made on defense. We know that they were starting to make improvements on their own on defense Last half of the season, they were they were kind of right around that point where you need like that threshold where you need to be to be a Super Bowl contending team. And that's why they were eight and two. Right. Because mm-hmm. they had a really good offense and they had a formidable defense, not a great defense, maybe not even but it, average, but close. Well, it, back half of the league, it was top half, I, a top half of the league defense, I think, average defense. Yeah. Like and that's what you need. That's what you you, you need that right. at a minimum. Right. And so let's just say that carries over. You're yeah. not probably not going to lose a lot of pieces on defense. So okay. maybe you don't need to invest that much on defense. Maybe you do have enough pieces to to sport a top half of the league defense. Is there an argument to be made for whatever position you want? Like guard, I know, has been talked about. And I know you have your issues with, with positional you know value there. Wide receiver, we talked about a little bit on last week's show. Dare I throw a running back into the conversation as well? Like, <laughs> is there an argument to be made? Go go offense early and quarterback, of course, is, is also out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you can make an argument that an offensive player is going to make sense at a certain at one of the two picks. Yeah, I think you can. You're going to be able to do that regardless. Like you can argue that the value of taking a running back or a, a quarterback is going to be there. Uh, you can you can argue that if or if you're not taking a quarterback and the defensive players aren't quite there, and you're saying, I am going to go offense, uh, even though positional value positional value says running back isn't that good, he might be the best player, offensive player in this class. You know what I mean? Like the Bijan Robinson, right? Sure. Um, outside of the quarterbacks, right? Of course, the quarterbacks in their own separate category. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so look, we've talked about this before. If, if if player X on offense ends up on this team, is this team better? And if he is, then it's it's a good addition, right? right? At the same time, there's probably going to be defensive player X that's going to have equal value because it's it's a more defensive heavy draft this year. And yeah. so I still think 
you have to add from a defensive standpoint because the value is going to match the need better than the yeah. value matching the upgrade, right? Because that's really what it right. would be. It would be an offensive upgrade one way or another, regardless of the position you took. Yeah. I, I get I get Patrick's point, though. Like, the, there is sure. something to be said about maintaining and making sure that this offense remains a top 10, top five offense. Um, sure. Because that, that's how you're going to win football games in the NFL today. Um, I agree. But let, let's go to our next question. Still uh, Super Bowl related. Hoyt Home at Hoyt Home, I should say, on Twitter. Uh, Jim asks... The parallels between the Eagles 20 and 20, 2022 and 2021 seasons and the Lions past two seasons are incredible. They went from 4 and 11, 4 11 and 1 to 9 8, 9 and 8. We went from 3 13 and 1 to 9 and 8. Does this give you confidence that the Lions, like the Eagles, are on the verge of a deep playoff run, possibly Super Bowl? Eric, chug the Kool Aid for us. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think what further speaks to that is the Bengals, uh, how they built and how they've made their run, right? Yeah. As well, like the Lions are mirroring teams that are at the getting into the conference championship. The Bengals in the conference championship twice, right? Yeah. Uh, two years in a row. Uh, the Eagles built their team up to, to to find this level of success. So, if you're looking for me to say, are the Lions building themselves in the right way to get there? I think they are. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think by by building up in the trenches and trying to find um and trying to find a an aggressive style of defense, trying to find an offense that can that can hang. Those are are ways that you. Uh, find success right now again it doesn't have to mirror the Bengals because the Bengals offensive line is is terrible right in the in the Lions offensive line is great so the Lions are going to match Philly in in that aspect a little bit more right but the again the the mentality of the way you're building and then built and then building on that success uh, I I think you can see it in in a couple of franchises that have been in the playoffs deep yeah and I mean obviously if you're going to pull Philly and 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 Cincy as your two examples. You, you have to address the elephant in the room, which is quarterbacks on rookie contracts. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, elite top five guys where J- Jared Goff is probably a, at least one tier below that and costing a lot more. But yeah. I think the the general idea of being able to jump from a middle of the tier team to a playoff contender the next year, or I'm, a Super Bowl contender the next year, is very much well backed up by evidence going way further back than just the past two years. Yeah. And yeah, this this is that's the way the league wants it, right? right. The league wants it to be that way. Now, of course, like that doesn't mean every team, every middle of the tier team is then going to be a Super Bowl the next year. Like we're just noticing (laughs) the ones that do. There there are plenty others that don't make it that far or or regress or, or, you know, take another smaller step. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think we've we've pointed out the reasons why this team could take that big step. Right. It's it's that the, the roster is already extremely young. You're already getting a lot of production out of those young players and they're only going to get better or most of them are, are only going to get better. Yep. And then you got a ton of resources. you got like the seventh most resources when you combine the value of their draft picks and the amount of free agent uh, cap space that they have. And so, yeah, like I, 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 there's a reason why they have the ninth or 11th best odds to win the Super Bowl. There's a reason why they have the fourth best odds to win the NFC. It's not just smoke and mirrors, man. This is a team yeah. that finished eight and two is is starting to play really good football and should really, you know, on paper get maybe significantly better in the offseason. So what I hear you saying is that they sh- they're carrying their momentum over into the offseason and then into next season. That is not what I said. <laughs> All right. Next question before you try to trick me again. Uh, Ashley David <laughs> Soden on Twitter uh, at Soden 
AD asks, in your opinion, why are people so against Chris Board? Despite him being our highest graded linebacker per PFF, if I remember right, I didn't double check that, so maybe, uh, and him contributing on special teams, people seemingly don't like him. Is it because there was camp hype that he could start, or was he bad, or is PFF just wrong? Um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really seen the Chris Board negativity. Um, the couple of instances that I have seen it, my guess would be uh, pre-camp expectations, right? Because yeah. that's typically what how this fan base reacts, right? right. Um, this guy can be good; he's not good, so now I don't like him, even if he's some, <laughs> right. even 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 if he's moderate, Nailed right? Yeah. No, I mean, and so like that would be my guess. Um, I don't think Board is a starting re- uh, linebacker. Yeah. I think he's a a reserve and I think he's excellent on special teams Uh, at the same time. uh, They tried to get, make him a starter. It didn't work. Then they tried to make him like a cover linebacker and that didn't really work either. So I think he's, his role on defense is limited, uh, especially in this scheme, but his value on special teams is tremendous. Like, is he a better overall player than Josh Woods? I think that's debatable, but everybody loves Josh Woods because the expectations for Josh Woods were right. low and yes. now he's, he's exceeding them. Um, so, but I think when you're doing roster evaluation, you have to look back and you have to say, which of these two players is better at this time. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you kind of jumped my point there, which was Josh Woods. I think because you, you signed Chris board and what, what do they say about him in the Baltimore in Baltimore best special teamer in the NFL. Yeah, he was there, Josh Woods. Yeah, and then Josh Woods essentially jumped him, right? He he not only yeah. was a better special teamer this year, but he was a a locker room leader. He was a guy that captain. that is extra, yep. a captain. Uh, you know, if if you were in the locker room, he's the loudest guy in there, and and that takes and 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 so Board takes a back seat to that, but Board I think is still a better defender than Josh Woods. I think he I think he is better in coverage. He's probably the best coverage linebacker that the Lions had last year, but that's a low bar, and so. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. It, it's an, like, he's one of the free agent profiles we haven't done yet. And I don't think anyone has claimed it because <laughs> it, it's a tough one. It's a tough, it's it another tough one because it feels like, okay, you have a Josh Woods. Do you need a second Josh Woods? Or do you think maybe there's more in the tank for, for Chris board defensively that we haven't seen? Um, but I, I really think a lot of it is just getting overshadowed by a, a better, um, better leader, better special teamer and, and kind of a, a fun fan fra- favorite in, in Josh Woods. I think that's kind of why he slid down the the the, the depth chart of these fan fan popularity. Right. Yeah, and look, the Lions use six linebackers yeah. like on, on game day. That's yeah. they're they're going to need more players like that because they're gonna they're gonna have three guys that just do almost exclusively special teams. So, right, uh, a Josh Woods type player is necessary for what this team wants to accomplish. And then is Pittman Pittman's either an RFA or he's ERFA. ERFA. He's so an, Pittman so he's, should yeah. He's going to at least be back in the competition you imagine. Correct. I think those three well so those three guys were primarily your primary special teams guys, right? Right. Um and then the other three Barnes, Malcolm and um and Anzalone were your three primary defensive guys. Um they're going to probably try and replicate that again, right? Which means yeah. you either re- you either bring back Anzalone or you or you upgrade 
And then you need three special teams level type linebackers who are really good at special teams. Pittman's pretty good. He's been good for a couple couple of years. Woods is probably your best. Uh, and if you're not bringing back board, you have to find another player who can do it. Yeah. All right. Um, we got a couple of schematic questions, and and this is kind of interesting. I find it there. I find the questions interesting because um, we're talking about potentially changing schemes when the lines are actually bringing back. Seems like bringing back all their coordinators um at this point there's no reason to believe yeah. Aaron Glenn won't be back since basically all of the head coaching jobs have been taken up but let's talk first about this is an interesting question and and I want to spring off it first and ask my own question but Omar Dr. OSP on Twitter asks how might the running game change under Scotty Montgomery mm-hmm. but I think before we answer that we have to back up and talk about the news this week yeah. Scotty Montgomery uh interviewed for the offensive coordinator job for the Buccaneers, he was the ninth guy that they've interviewed for that job. Um, no, no hiring is necessarily imminent or anything, um, but it would be quite odd for the Lions to lose their uh, running backs coach slash assistant head coach uh, <laughs> in essentially back to back weeks. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but okay, before we get into this question, I there's been a lot of backlash about this on on Twitter, and yeah. and, and a lot of Lions fans are upset. And, and on one hand, I get it. Like, it'd be very frustrating to hire someone and then immediately lose them. But are you are you with me that's like, like, it's okay for Scotty Montgomery to take this interview, right? I have a couple of points. One, okay. you absolutely want you a staff that other people want. Right. Like, you absolutely, this is what you want. This is, like, when's the last time you've seen coaches leaving because other teams are trying to go get them? Right. It does not happen that often. And when it does, it's because you're bringing in good people. And if you can bring in, uh, if you can, if you can bring in a guy like Montgomery, well, that means you can bring in another guy like Montgomery. You know what I mean? Like, so not, not to discount Montgomery because, but it also says, look, this is probably a guy that they're saying, we need to start looking at alternatives for Ben Johnson. If Ben Johnson leaves a year from now, and maybe Montgomery's one of those guys, we've all been focusing on Tanner, but what is the message we've always said with Tanner? He's not there yet. Right. Montgomery's a heck of a lot closer. He's been a head coach in college, right? Like, like he's got a good resume, a long resume too. And he's got experience at different, at different levels. And so maybe he's in the contention and maybe they brought him in with that in mind. And if they want to know if he's there, yeah, go interview. Get the experience. If you get the job, congrats. It's just another coach that we've put on another team in an elevated position, even if you're only here a week. So that's fine. <laughs> you go get another guy, right? Yeah. Because it's very clear Dan Campbell has connections around the NFL. Yeah. I mean, he does. Like, like that was the thing that was preached about him when they hired him. And it and it seems like they're going that they're gonna do that. Look, if he comes back and doesn't get that job. Well, now you have another guy who's interviewed for a coordinator job and he's got that level of experience and it's just going to help him get better as a coach. And now he becomes even more valuable down the road. So, yes, you want to encourage that. You want to have a staff that other teams are that other teams look at and say, I would like that guy to come be my better version of what I don't have or something. Right. So, like, I'm all on board. Let him let him explore. That's totally fine. You are in a business of trying to get make people better you're in the business of making players better you're in the business of making coaches better let him be better if he's going to be better great it's just going to make this all the more attractive i just i want to talk about it from scotty montgomery's point of view because there seems to be a group of fans that believe he committed to being a detroit line this year 
he shouldn't take this interview. And I get it. Like it, I mean, yeah, he did okay. just sign and, and I can see why that's frustrating from the Lions' point of view, but the yeah. way I view it is like, and I know football jobs are not the same as every other job, but if I take a job somewhere and then someone immediately offers me a, a better position, better pay, I'm at least picking up the phone. I'm at least saying, okay, talk, tell me more. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything reckless. I don't think I owe anything to the original company I'm, I signed with because they didn't offer me a better position. And, and so sure. I, I get why people are frustrated. I get why some people are like, oh, this guy doesn't want this job. Get him out of here. No, he does want this job. But this is also the NFL where your window of, of you know, getting a promotion can go away in, in an instant. Yeah. And, and and we talked about it with Ben Johnson, how it was at least a minor risk for him to say, no, I don't want a head coaching job. I believe in myself. It's a risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one that it's probably worth taking for someone as talented as he is, but it's a risk. Things go, go haywire in an instant. One injury happens and suddenly you look like the worst offensive coordinator. You look like sure. the worst running game, running backs coach. And so to me, I don't have any problem at all with Scotty Montgomery taking this interview. Yeah. It's a, look, it, let's, let's not, mistake anything here let's not make a mistake here and and think that it's even close to a same level of job like it's he's going to make a yep. boatload more money like double way do, more than double like triple probably what he's going to make as a position coach yeah so even though he's the assistant head coach as well he's going to make double or triple what he would make in detroit if he landed an oc job and it's hard to hate it's hard to fault against that it was the same thing we said with ben johnson is it so tempting enough is the money tempting enough that you're going to take a job that you you know have a 50-50% chance of succeeding at, or are you willing to bet on yourself and try and get a better job that you think have a, you have a higher percentage of right. succeeding at, and then you'll anticipate the money coming later? Well, look at the look, the Bucks. How attractive is the Bucks offense right now compared to the Lions offense? <laughs> horrible, right? I mean, right. the, you would the, think, the, and they, it, Brady's retired. They're, yeah. they're they're moving in a downward direction. They have skill players, but like, I don't I don't know what's going to happen with that offense, yeah. right? So, so I think so. some people are speculating that the reason they're on candidate number nine is because nobody wants that job. Speculation, but it, it, interesting thing to talk about. All right, before we go to break, though, let's let's answer the actual original question here: <laughs> Do you think the running game is going to change at all if Scotty Montgomery stays? I don't think it'll change a, a ton because the blocking scheme is going to be the same, right? Um, because of Hank and uh, and the way that Hank Fraley de- helps design what his offensive linemen are going to do creates uh, when he plays when you play best of your offensive line, you're creating this gap or zone or outside zone type of uh, a blocking scheme, and then you're going to draft backs or you're going to get backs that can operate within that that system. So. I don't think there's going to be any big drastic changes to the overall schematic approach. But what you're hoping for as a running backs coach is you're hoping that your help that that his job is to help the players get better at what they do. Right. So I don't think the scheme will change, but you hope the players, you know, improve on a year to year basis and you hope that he can facilitate that. Yeah. And in general, I think you're going to find more schematic changes with personnel changes rather than coaching mm-hmm. changes, especially with this coaching staff. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your Lions questions as we head deeper and deeper into the offseason in the midweek mailbag. We will be right back.
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to the Midweek Mailbag Podcast. Jeremy and Eric here answering your lines questions again live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit swing by any Wednesday afternoon if you want to ask us some questions we answer a whole bunch of questions during our breaks as well so uh, always fun to be part of the live audience but we love our podcast audience as well let's jump back into our uh, Twitter audience a question here uh, more on the scheme stuff that we just finished talking about after the first segment Antonio asks what do you expect the scheme to be on the defensive line? Campbell said during the season that the defensive line needed more beef. How do you expect Holmes to beef up the defensive line? Are we still going to be a four-man base? Are we looking for a true nose tackle? So a lot of questions kind of mixed up in there. Yeah. First, let's talk <clears throat> about the needs. Like, where where are they going to beef up? Um, did they beef up enough during the season? Because obviously, bringing in uh, a couple of those guys helped out in, mm. in getting them beefier, and we saw them be better against the the run thanks to guys like Isaiah Bugs. He's a free agent. Lions have a lot of draft resources, free agent resources. I know everyone wants Deron Payne is is the guy that that a lot of people are, are eyeing. Do you think the Lions beef up on the interior this uh this offseason or do they kind of roll with some of the mid-tier guys that they saw some success with last year? It it wouldn't surprise me to see them try and bring back Bugs, but a lot of what they do um may hinge on what they plan to do with Aleem McNeil, right? Mm -hmm. If they plan to keep Aleem at the three, which is which he's very good at, um, you're going to be looking for a nose tackle to to play alongside of him. But the beauty of Aleem is that if you have a guy like Deron Payne that you're looking at, you can shift Aleem back to the nose. And then you can also do some schematic changes up front, right? They started out attacking because that's what fit the needs of their lighter uh, excuse me of their lighter front and then they shifted to uh try and add some more size 
Um, again, it's not like Bugs is this overwhelmingly big guy, right? The Aleem is still 30 pounds heavier than Bugs is, and Aleem's playing the three and Bugs is playing the nose, right? right? It's just it's just about how they play and how they succeed. So it wasn't as much, I think, like physical bulk as much as it was just like guys who can stop the run, right? Yeah. Um, but they went from they shifted from a, an attacking front to trying to be more two gapping style like they were the year prior. Now it's not pure two gapping, right? Um, they're still very they're still attacking in a lot of ways, but how they attack was different. So there's a lot of thing, a lot of ways that they can go, and and it, a lot of it hinges on Aleem because Aleem is this position flexible guy. So it gives them some how you want to use Aleem can give you some direction. Of, about what you might want to do. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to dismiss opportunities to get better and maybe move Aleem if they need to. So there's a lot of different things that they can do, I guess, at the end of the story, because Aleem is so great. Yeah. No, I think I think you nailed what I was going to say, too, which is, again, like, what schematic changes are we going to see on the defensive line? Depends who they get. <laughs> um, it depends. And and like you said, having a guy like Aleem make, gives them so many more options in free agency in the draft where if you want to get a pure nose, you can get a pure nose and you're fine. If you want to get a three tech and move, you know, a lean back inside, you're fine. If you want yeah. to go four wide, if you want to go five wide, like all of it can work because you have a guy like Aleem and you have other position versatile. You have a guy. Um, <clears throat> well, you may have a guy like Kaminsky who can kick inside. A lot of the guys you, you do have on the edge coming back and kick inside. So, mm-hmm. um, all sorts so of like, good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, finish. I was going to say, it, it, like, if we're looking at just like the draft, yeah, and they get a guy like Jalen Carter, right? They're probably going to to shift the lean, and then they're going to stay attacking. If you get a guy like Brise, you're probably going to probably try and attack as well and shift a lean as well. But then if a guy like Mozzie Smith is there, and you add, and you and you want to add Mozzie, well, then you're going to keep a lean at the three and add Mozzie, and now all of a sudden your inside is like close to 700 pounds. So. It, it does. They, there's a lot of different ways that they can go in the draft. If even if they don't address it in free agency, and a lot of different ways that they can change their 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 scheme, because this coaching staff more than any other we've seen recently adapts. Yep, which is such a such a breath of fresh air. And 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 the thing is, they're not just adapting. They're not just trying out different things. It's working. It's working. It, they tried different things on offense in year one. They they eventually found out what worked and it worked in year two. And so the hope is now, yeah, it took two years to finally figure what out, figure out. I mean, they changed from year one, what they did in, to what they did at the start of year two. That didn't work. So they reverted a little bit back to, to more year one stuff, but they figured that out. And now you kind of hope that defense takes the same trajectory that the offense did. You figured it out at the end of year two. Now year three is when you really break out. I'm not saying the defense is going to be a top five unit like the offense was, but should be more consistent, should be better, hopefully. But let's go back to the offense with this next question. Jamara on Twitter asks, should the Lions bring back Jamal Williams or draft a running back in the draft? I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be. <laughs> My answer is both. Yes, that's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jamal's my number one player, uh, Lions undrafted free agent, that they should bring back. And he's the guy that um, that I think they should prioritize because of his leadership. At the same time, I think they need to draft a player that they believe can be a swift replacement. Yeah. And so 
there's a handful of different guys in this draft that that it makes sense. And so uh, deep enough draft as well at the, at the running back spot that I, I think they should be spending on the draft and returning Jamal Williams. I didn't pick this question because I thought it was a difficult one for you to answer because I knew that was going to be your answer. <laughs> I picked that question because I want to be the villain. Ooh, okay. I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. And and it's not it's not even it's not even what you might be thinking. It's not about drafting a running back. It's about Jamal Williams. Oh. All right. Now, hold on. Let me settle in. Okay, yeah, settle in. I I got my cowboy hat on. I'm about to I'm about to tie the damsel to the to the railroad tracks here. <laughs> um Now, I want Jamal Williams back. And there are a lot of reasons for it. But I am I am also of the belief that you shouldn't overpay for running backs and that Jamal is going to get at least a significant raise. Not, you know, he's not going to get seven million a year. I think if you if you like the spot track thing, I think they're they're targeting like four, four one, I think, a year. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to question for as much as Jamal gives in the off field stuff, and I'm not going to deny that he has a big off field impact. He's not he's a huge leader. He's he's exactly the kind of character that you want in this building. And that matters. I'm not trying to sidestep that, but in terms of performance on the field, I think you can make an argument that it's very replaceable. And I know, I know he's coming off in a thousand yard season. I know he just set the franchise record for touchdowns, but if you look at some advanced statistics, like rushing over rushing yards over expectation, he's bottom half of the league. If you look at DVOA 20 in that like 20 to 25 range where you can find a bunch of talent and, and, you look at guys that, that might be a little cheaper. I look at a guy like Jeff Wilson from the Dolphins, kind of a similar player. They got his value at about $3 million, 2.9. Boston Scott is a touchdown machine coming off a really good year in, in, in Philly. I think in terms of production, Jamal Williams doesn't give you a lot of extra that that a run-of-the-mill running back should give you. I mean, I think a lot of the touchdowns, a lot of the goal line stuff, you attribute that stuff to your offensive line. You really do. And so I I, I think this is a little bit more of a difficult decision than most people peg it as. But all that being said, maybe you pay the extra million, two million a year just to have that motivational guy in your locker room. Tell me I'm an idiot. Well, you're an idiot, but um, I, I, I think the value in the beyond leadership, if you're just talking on field value with yeah. Jamal Williams, it's consistency. He is not an explosive guy, but he is consistent. Sure. Uh, if yeah. you need him to get four yards, he'll get you four yards. If you need him to, you know, break a 80 yard touchdown, well, that's not going to happen. Right. You like, I mean, like a just 50 yarder, though. He did right in front of us. It was yeah. like running right down the alley, right? Yep. That was fun to watch. But you yep. knew he wasn't. You knew he was getting caught, <laughs> right? Like I mean, like I, look, I love the guy, but like yeah. he, he wasn't going to make it. There wasn't. Right. I, he would have had to have Marshawn lynched his way into the end zone and just started throwing people to the ground. Um, but he's so consistent. That's true, and, and that's what you need. And, and and in reality, you don't want him being one A. You want him being one B. Course. And and for one B, you want power, you want consistency, you want reliability, right? And if you can get those things, then you 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 pay to keep it. And then if you have to pay an extra million on top of that for leadership, it's worth the price tag for me. You big idiot. 
That's I I was I was playing devil's advocate. Like I said, I want him back. I just wonder. I just I understand if you, can, if, you, if you can find that one B on the market for a million, million and a half cheaper. The Maybe. thing is, the thing is, the lines aren't really in a position where they need to penny pinch like that, too, right? I don't think when it comes to leadership, I think if you're you're to, for the culture that they have, they have to pay the leadership price. Right. Like I think that's a necessary evil. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's go to our Twitch audience. Lost Oceans asks. Is there that big of a drop-off between Osiris Torrance, a first-round prospect at guard, and the number two guard on your big board list? And since you, you're you the one of the two of us that actually has a big board list, this question is directed towards you. I don't think it's as big as people are making it out to be because okay. I do think Torrance is probably the only first-rounder, okay? Mm-hmm. I do think there's a handful of other guys that are going to be in that day two range that are going to make some sense. Um, and then there's going to be a handful of guys in that day three range, or uh, the, I'm sorry, round three range that are going to make some sense as well. It's a smaller pool of players than what we what were accustomed to seeing uh, on the interior. But I think there's probably five top 100 picks, uh, depending on how you view a couple of the tackles. Right, a couple of tackles that can play guard, um, but the the drop off from oh, Torrance from Torrance to like, um, you know, John Michael Schmitz or Cody Mouch, um, the North Dakota State tackle. It's probably not as big as you would think. It's probably half a round, right? Like somewhere in there is, I think, kind of where they'll end up going. They'll end up going like in round two instead of like, wow, Torrance is round one. I just, I don't know if Torrance can be like, uh, again, the precedence that we've set before is if he's not going to be Frank Ragno, you probably don't take him in the first round, right? At, at that 18 spot. And if he, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be Frank Ragno. And so for me, that means I'm now looking at day two. If I'm going to try and find a guy and now I'm looking for Graham Glasgow. Right. Right. Now is Graham as good of a player as Frank? No, but is he a legitimate NFL starter? A hundred percent. Right. And so that's kind of where you shift uh, your mentality is I'm not going to, I don't think there's this elite guy. I don't think I necessarily need an elite guy, Right. but as we talked about it last week's podcast, there's value to investing in the offensive line this year for the lions and investing a day two pick could make a lot of sense. So if they go, if they were to take a guard in a second or third round that, you know, is going to probably step in, start day one, and then be on the team for four years on a, on a low discount, that's probably worth it for this organization. Not to mention that if you get an, an average to slightly above average talent and you put them between Penisul and Frank Ragnow, <clears throat> probably going to play better than, than his yeah. you know talent level. He's got a, a good support system there. Just, right. just before anyone else asks, the other guys that I have are on my radar are Joe Pittman from Wisconsin and mm-hmm. Steve Avila from TCU. Avila is the guy who, in my mind, could be the sleeper for the group. Got Jonah Jackson-like qualities. He's played center. He's played guard. He's got that range. We've talked about previ- on previous episodes um, where – if you have a guy who, who has that center guard capability, how the Lions tend to covet that because of how they operate, because of their intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think uh, Avila is a guy who uh, I don't think you want to go lower than him. Let yeah. me put it that way. 
Might be a tough sell on a Detroit fan base to to bring another Avila to Detroit, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> let's let's close things out with Lamont's builder asks. Talk about Sheila Hamp. How much of this team's turnaround can be credited to her taking over? I think a lot um, because she is responsible at the end of the day for bringing in the current regime. Yep. She's also throwing money wherever they want it thrown. Yep. You you need to, the players don't like the turf. Well, let's accelerate the timeline and get them new turf a year early. Yep. Um, every time we they hire someone in the front office that isn't replacing someone else, that's a new position that has a new salary. She's just paying that. Like yep. that's just added money. She's just throwing at the thing. And so Holmes comes to her every offseason, it seems, and he's like, I want to hire this new guy. It's not a position. It's going to cost me X number of dollars. And she's just like, cool. <laughs> like, and it's yeah. not anyone that we're ever going to see, but it's a guy who can, that the, is hopefully making a person that is hopefully making an impact behind the scenes to help them stay healthy. Right. Or uh, that's a, an advanced scout or whatever it is. Like they've every year they've created a new position for someone and she's just giving them money. And that's a, who knows how much that is, but it's not going to be cheap. Right. Right. So, so, yeah, I, I mean, you're obviously making reference to Brett Fisher, the, the, the director of player health and performance. Fisher's most recent. And then last year was the uh, the USC guy. Oh, gosh, I'm blinking on his name uh, that they hired to be like the predecessor to uh, not predecessor, the, the incumbent to um, the the salary caps for the salary right. cap stuff. Right? Yeah, right. Um, I'm going to look they, his name. They up, invested so in the in the mental health department. I, mean, yeah. I believe in the right off the bat. That <clears> was something that. And so, yeah. And. And I think it, it's always kind of been Sheila's vision to have a just kind of like reorganize the front office too, right? It's just like have all these guys that that there obviously there's a hierarchy. There needs to be a hierarchy so that one person reports to another. But there's, I mean, that front office is stacked, right? You got Chris Spielman doing whatever you want him to do. You you got yeah, Ray. That was a new position. Yeah. You, you got you got Dorsey in there. You got a lot of smart guys in there, and it's and it's crowded and and. It, it costs, you're right. It costs a lot. Like Dorsey wouldn't be here if it didn't, if he wasn't getting paid well, because I'm sure he's a coveted guy. And so I think that, that to me, not, not only paying a lot to have all these new positions and, and maybe additional positions that other organizations don't have, but to have kind of the foresight to, to understand that you need a lot of guys collaborating with each other from different departments. That's something also that she said right off the bat, right? We need to have our football department and our business department linked so that there aren't miscommunications there. And I know I've heard from a lot of season ticket owners that are upset with the way they're, they're doing some of those things. And, and that's naturally going to come with any business. And you hope that they improve that sort of stuff. But in general, I think the fan experience has been improved. I think the football experience has been improved on the field. I don't think you can argue that. And listen, she's ultimately responsible for the people that are in charge of this franchise. And there's a reason why both Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have a 95 plus percent, you know, uh, uh, approval rating right now yeah. um, because they seem like they're the right people in place. So I don't know how much, how many holes you can poke in the job that Hamp has done. And I like the fact that she had the, the foresight to understand that when this team was one in five, she had to come down and talk. And say, hey, mm -hmm. this isn't good enough, but please be patient. And good, it, it's certainly good optics when 
two weeks later they start winning. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I like I, I, is there is there a thing you can? It's always hard with owners because you don't know what decisions are theirs and what what aren't what decisions aren't theirs, especially once everyone's in place. But it's hard to poke holes in literally any individual thing that she's done. I guess maybe at the very beginning, right? She was the voice when when Martha was still technically in charge, but she was kind of the voice that said, hey, let's give Matt Patricia more, one more year. Like that was, that's the one flaw on her resume. And to be completely honest, I was with her at the time. Yeah, most people were. Right? Um, Sosna is the guy I was thinking of behind right. Disner. Yep. Like that was a whole totally new position. And he left basically an AD job to to, to do this, right? Yeah. Like that's that's not cheap to get that. And then I think one of the biggest differences, like you pointed out, was like there's a mental health side of it. There's also the player wellness side of it, the player performance side of it as well. Um, yeah. So like previously in the player performance, it was just like you had – a couple of trainers and then a couple of like medical people. And then that was it. Then they brought Mike Clark in to kind of oversee that. Then they brought Joe Costanza in as a, as a uh, sports science. Those are brand new jobs. Like, and it's, there's a whole slew of those behind the scenes um, that I think she deserves credit for, you know, bankrolling. Cause I, I can't, I don't even want to speculate how much money she's probably thrown into this team over the last two years because like it's like new positions all over the place new field they upgraded you know they're upgrading certain things it's and making sure making sure your offensive coordinator doesn't run out of town too throwing him more money his way as well right yeah exactly so yeah i mean so far, so good with 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 uh with sheila obviously you have to like it yeah you have to like where it's headed um doesn't mean that she's done everything perfectly and she will continue to do everything perfectly, but it, it it's seems like a very tough time to, to, to criticize the, the job she's done. And with that, we're done here, Eric, we've, we made it. Uh, we're going to close things out again. If you want to join us live ever, we, 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 the podcast you're listening to is probably around 40 to 45 minutes. We're near two hours live on our Twitch channel. So that gives you the kind of idea of, of how much content we do off air. So please join us on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Uh, we, we do these every Wednesday around 1230 PM Eastern. Um, but if you want to just listen on the podcast, that's cool too. But we're out of here. Thank you for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.